Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this week we've got another great interview with someone who is just rocking it. We are talking with Farnoosh Brock from the site ProlificLiving.com. She is a blogger, a podcaster, an author, and traveler. She and I talk about how to get work done while you're traveling, how to maintain your focus when you really need to get work done, and how fitness and health play into being productive and prolific in your output. Well, this week, it is my great privilege to bring to you Farnoosh Brock of ProlificLiving.com. Welcome to the show, Farnoosh. Hey, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. Now, I know you've listened to the show, so you kind of know what's in store and yes. that's awesome because I always like, you know, being able to talk to some people who kind of know, especially because you're you're basically doing a different angle on what I'm doing really with this show is you're talking about, look, how do we get the most out of life and be the best that we can be, in other words, you know? Right, 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 right. And in, in my podcast, actually, I talk about, you know, the communication aspect and the interaction aspect of that. But it's all toward, you know, fulfilling your potential and really pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And you focus mostly on productivity, correct? Yeah, for the most part. I like to use that as kind of the, the sneaky way into talking about how uh-huh. certain people have done what they've done or what they've overcome to get where they're at. I love it. Prolific living. What does the word prolific mean to you? How did you decide on what that meant for you and why prolific living? You know, I came up with the name. I was on a walk 2007. You know, I had a bunch of blogs. They were just a hobby. I had a corporate job. I was really unhappy with what I was doing. So I was always looking for distractions, which is the first sign something is wrong, by the way. But anyway, we won't go down that route. (laughs) And then I was thinking of a way to consolidate all my different passions in one umbrella. I had no idea it was become, it was going to become a business. I love to create and to make things. And this is ironic because this is not something I spent, you know, the first half of my life doing, right? And, uh, you know, just working in the corporate world doesn't uh, lend itself to that. But I think the word prolific described, you know, what I like to do. You know, I like to read voraciously. I was writing blog posts at the time. I was exploring, learning, personal development, you know, doing different things with nutrition, with just growing myself. And so the word, it just came to me. I mean, I just thought it was a beautiful word. I actually like the sound of P and L very much, you know, in the words of our language. And I wanted it to be, you know, more of a lifestyle, more of a, you know, it's beyond just me because I know some people use their names as brands and that's fine, you know, but I thought, 
I want it to be something people can relate to. So it's a way of living. And because I touch on a lot of topics in my blog, in my podcast, in my work, I wanted it to be broad enough, but at the same time, have a common theme. And I believe that it does. And the way I define it is, you know, you live in a way that's on your terms. And what I focus on is to help people bring freedom in their health and in their career. And those are two pillars of my business where I focus on that. That's the best answer I have for you. Will that work? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And now, so you're talking about prolific living being a way of living. And obviously, you had quite a change in your way of living from where you started as a, in a Fortune 500 company yes. to being an entrepreneur. Can you talk a little bit about the journey of where you were to where you got where you're at now? Yeah, totally. I mean, I was probably the first case of study for myself, you know, seriously. So I have changed so many things. I don't want to say everything, but so many things from the person that I was, the way that I used to think, the way that I used to approach work and success and health and happiness and all of that. And so on the surface, I obviously, you know, ended up changing careers. I basically moved out of the corporate world, moved out of, you know, employment altogether. And I had no idea what I was going to do at the time. You know, I had prolific living. I had no income. I had no business strategies around it. It was a still just, you know, a hobby when I quit my job. And I just knew that's not it. You know, working for someone else, that was just not it for me anymore. I had seen too many things that just weren't right. And uh, this was the way I was going to go. This was the only option. So I changed drastically in the way I looked at work and success with that. Because what I had to many, many people was successful. You know, I had a six-figure income. I worked from home full-time telecommuter. How much did I work, Eric? Maybe three hours a day. Okay. I mean, they were not exactly using me and my skills to the max. And I had the greatest boss, the greatest team, the greatest perks. I would travel, you know, around the world. I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, it was just not meaningful. It was just not the way I wanted my life to go, the direction. And uh, upward mobility really started to make me doubt the whole structure. You know, so you have some vision in your mind. And when it's so far from what reality is, at some point you start to ask questions and then eventually you come to a point where you're in so much pain, you take action. So I changed everything about what I do at work. You know, I was a project manager, I was an engineer, and now I'm a writer. I speak, I coach people. I'm creative. I create things. I, you know, run my own business. So that was a huge change. And behind that was a change and a shift in thinking and in perspective and really just flipping everything and looking at it and saying, this hasn't worked and pushing this way hasn't worked. Something else is the answer and being so open. And, and it was all very, very new to me. And I was very skeptical, right? Very skeptical. So it started with small stuff, right? Like early rising, which, you know, I've had ups and downs with that over the years, you know, but, uh, you know, productivity, but what kind of productivity? Something that I can be proud of at the end, not just busy work, which you can find plenty of. And um, simplifying the way I eat and the way I take care of myself and, you know, just kind of like questioning status quo to see if it really, really works for me and um, changing my habits, you know, building new habits, building better habits, changing the stuff I read. You know, I used to think I am supposed to read engineering books and boring business books. And then I realized, you know, I don't want to read that stuff. I want to read fascinating fiction, 
you know, and then, you know, I started exploring so many other things. So giving myself permission to do exactly what I want without looking for approval from all these people who have good intentions, but really don't know what's right for me because you're the only person that knows what's right for you. I can tell just listening to you that uh, – and I listened to the interview with you between you and uh, Robert D. Smith, that some of his infectiousness. Oh, oh he just, was so wonderful. Oh, his energy is rubbing off on you. And that was the first time he had done something like that. But I had a lot of fun and uh, he really, really um, was a lot of fun to talk with. So yeah. great. I'm going to just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, you know the question mm-hmm. that I ask everybody. In an ideal world, how do you start your day? In an ideal world, I wake up at, and this happens sometimes in my world too, I wake up at 4.30 a.m. because, you know, I have tried every variation of that. 4.30 a.m. seems to be perfect. And I do my Ashtanga yoga, which is the type of yoga I practice from six to eight. You know, it's a two-hour practice. And then I start working. You know, I really, really like to work and not play the first part of the day. So I focus on work, probably some quiet work, writing. I'm ideally writing my next book and uh, working with my husband, which is now a reality, but you know, I don't want anything to take that away. So that's definitely the ideal world. It may be that we are not working from home because we love to travel. So we are probably, you know, maybe in the South Pacific or maybe in Hawaii and we're working, you know, we're not just playing. And then I like to take, you know, take the whole day, you know, maybe until mid afternoon. And then I like to meet, maybe go for a walk or just go outdoors and take a break and really do whatever is around or available. You know, I love to maybe get some, uh, you know, appreciation of arts if it's the right place or nature or whatever, but I love to be with my husband. You know, I don't know what else I would do. I mean, I guess it would be healthy. It would be something that I'm doing, you know, something good for my body. And um, hopefully, you know, the work is meaningful and satisfactory and it's still growing my business. Nothing fancy or, um, you know, outlandish, but definitely, you know, certain levels of freedom that I just cannot seem to compromise, right? There is that, you know, self-care and I'm really, really devoted to my yoga practice. There is that, you know, writing. I really want to build myself as a writer, growing my business and then having this partnership to where, you know, I'm having a lot of fun working with my husband and I want to see, you know, where we can take this. That's awesome. You, so your husband now, he was working where you were and then when yes. you, you moved into being an entrepreneur, how long did it, did it take till he moved over and started working for you? So I resigned May 2011. It will be two years this May and he resigned December 2012. So three months ago. Nice. I know, you know, business is all about relationships and you guys had an existing one before you added into the working, you know, you're working out of your home, you're married, you want to make sure that you have enough time to do business stuff, but you also want to make sure you're not always talking business intermittently. I mean, do you, do you have boundaries? Do you, how do you, how do you make that work where you're both working on the same business in your own home and you want to make sure, you know, you balance and, and, you know, have just fun time when it's just the two of you and your relationship. Yeah. But also, do you switch into coworker mode or, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> you know, there is no clear boundaries, you know, and this is something we're actually working on. But there are certain things we do that I think is working and other areas where we're still learning. There is this implicit trust, you know. And so if you're thinking about this as a couple, first of all, I can tell you that you may be surprised just how well you work together if you just have this foundation. Implicit trust And the fact that some of you 
one of you has weakness in one area where the other has a strength and vice versa. So you're not both doing the same thing. I think that lends itself so well to the same business. And also you have friendship beyond just a romantic relationship. So I've been married, you know, it'll be 11 years this year. Oh, I'm sorry, 12. I hope Andy doesn't listen to this. (laughs) Oh, hey, when you're getting that far in, you know. It's all good. When is is your anniversary? April 13. Okay, see, you're coming up. It's about to switch over. So there you go. It is. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we do have certain things that we do that I think works. And that is we actually hold meetings. You know, like this morning, we had an hour meeting in my office where I went through what I'm doing. He went through what he's doing. He gives me, you know, he, he's very good at helping me with strategy and vision. And he's also this the technical side of the house. And I was helping him brainstorm because he wants to create his own project. And we went through all all these, you know, opportunities that come up, which one to take, where to focus, you know, now we're focusing on more long-term vision. So giving up on like chasing different streams of income immediately because we're trying to build something else. It's, you know, that's all business. I don't think we do anything during that meeting that's, that says, you know, we're a couple. I mean, we're just so passionate and so intensely involved in this that I don't think we have to say, okay, now it's time for a break because we are, you know, both, we have the same level of passion. And that's another tip I have for the couple. Usually what happens is one of you may be more passionate about the business than the other. And if that's a huge gap, it's going to be very hard to work together because it's always going to be, is always going to seem to you like the other person who has less interest may not be pulling their weight. And naturally they're just not as into it as you are. So I think we have right now, especially after he quit his job, Eric, I mean, this is it, you know, we don't have a safety net or, you know, fallback to a corporate salary. So we are definitely into this together, but, um, we do do want to make time for play. And so he has to pull me out of work mode and I respond well, but I just need that reminder to where, you know, let's maybe, uh, you know, talk about our next trip or let's talk about something fun or something we're going to do with his family. So I need more help. That's my weakness where I need to be pulled out because even, you know, in bed, 11 o'clock, I just want to say, okay, tomorrow is this, you know, this is what happened today. What do I tell this person and that? And I need help shutting down. So you're going to find where you have a weakness, where your spouse or partner has a weakness, and you just learn to find that point of a harmony, if you will. But it's a learning uh, curve. I mean, we have times where we disagree and uh, we argue where I feel like I don't know what he's doing and there's not enough clarity. And he tells me, my, my last boss was not a micromanager. You know, I can't take this. <laughs> and then we make up an hour later and we start to work at it. It's not easy, but it's possible if you both have that passion to make that business a reality. That's great. That's some great insight. I mean, the reason I ask is because my wife and I don't work in the same place. I work at one place and she works at another. And But it uh-huh. seems like sometimes we still have to do the business of running our home and then not neglect either doing that business or the business, quote unquote, of having our own relationship aside from also right. having a relationship with our own kids and everything. So, you know, it's that it's that balance. It's that blending that goes on there. So that's some it is. great insights. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I am not an expert at this, but I am really, really actually focused on it. And it's something I like to talk about. So I'm so glad you brought this up. This doesn't come up a lot, but I know a lot of people now may have the option to maybe even start a side hustle together. So hopefully we gave them some useful insights. Yeah, definitely. Now you and your husband just went on a trip. We did. We just came back from Africa. Have you been? No, I haven't. I would love to go. 
Yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. We went with my brother and sister-in-law, and she's a doctor. And I have just always had this paranoia, you know, going to faraway places. So I felt really comfortable going with her. And, um, you know, you have to do all that prep. You know, we've been preparing for half a year for this. Get all your shots, take your malaria pills and all that. But it was worth it. It was Kenya and Tanzania, and it was... um, Luxury African safari, if you will. But even so, Eric, I have to tell you, it was a little outside my comfort zone. I am not exactly the kind of gal that goes camping, you know, and these were luxury camps, but still, you know, you have like one bucket of water for shower. You can't drink the water there. You know, there is animals all around at night. So, you know, you can see, you can hear lions roaring right next to your tent. It was just very different, but it was worth it. If only for the African elephants. Yeah. It was just some amazing, amazing sights. So now Africa, if you want to, you know, tie this back into work, Africa was actually very challenging for me because I was totally offline. Okay. That was not easy. That's not always (laughs) a bad thing though. I know, I know people tell me that, but it was so hard. I mean, I read several books, you know, I had my Kindle and I thought about my business at times, but I also let go. And so I think that when this is very exceptional to the way that we travel, whenever we go anywhere else, there is that level of work. You know, I decide at the beginning what level of work I'm going to take with me. Like we're going to Chile for my birthday later in April. And um, I want to make sure they have Wi-Fi so I can spend a few hours a day working, but then playing the rest of the time. So I am not completely going on vacation because it's it's a lifestyle I'm building where I can work wherever I go. So um, that was a little bit challenging, but totally worth it. Are there any tips or tricks you can give to people who do a lot of, say, business traveling or even are an entrepreneur and they want to, you know, kick into that lifestyle like you're talking about where mm-hmm. they go and they enjoy the sites and they enjoy where they're at, but they also, you know, plug into the web for a little bit, do some work and then get back out of it and go back again to, you know, family or friends or sites and right. enjoy where they're at. Because, you know, what's the point of traveling somewhere if you're just going to go sit in a hotel room and work? No, totally. Great point, right? And actually, you don't have to be in a hotel room, you know, but but point well taken, you know. I mean, with your digital work, you can take it anywhere, especially if you're into writing or creating content, especially if it's just, you know, a matter of just having your laptop and you don't need a lot of equipment like audio recording stuff, then you can take that with you, you know, on trains, on planes. You know, I've written half of my books on plane rides and um, uh, two, both of my books, my juicing books, I actually wrote when I was away from home, you know, because for some reason, okay, so this is one tip I have. You have to figure out what the new travel place actually inspires you to do. I tend to be a very inspired traveler, a writer. So that means that when I get to a place, I actually notice that my writing flows a lot better. So Yes, having Wi-Fi is good just to be connected for the emergency stuff, but I actually set a goal to where, you know, because I know I get into that mode of creativity and writing that I set aside the time to write. So the other tip is your time is pretty limited, right? You want to spend that day to where you're having fun because I believe you need to work hard and play hard, especially if you're visiting a new place, then you have to use the chunk of time that you have very carefully. You don't have time to just fool around on social media. And we all do that. Guilty as charged. But um, you want to be more judicious of your time and you will be shocked how productive you can be in less uh, amount of time. 
So for me, again, the writing works, you know, I tend to write a lot. So I create content and content is the heartbeat of my business. So that lends itself really well to what I do. Some of you may be creating presentations and then you're going to speak, you know, you have to decide what you're going to use that time for and also find a schedule that works with the schedule of that place. So if you are in Hawaii, for instance, you know, maybe early mornings are better for the beach and then late afternoons when it's really hot, you find a place to do some work and then you take the evening off. But if you are, you know, in a place where you're going on an archaeology tour, then you work around that. So if you can make yourself very flexible, I try not to schedule a lot of calls, a lot of coaching calls. I can't rely on the internet as much and I don't want to look bad in front of my customers. So I try to just do the type of work that's all me, even offline. It's just a different place. You, you will be more productive at home if you just follow some of those tips, I suppose. What about when you arrive back home and mm -hmm. you need to decompress and transition back into your regular schedule? Any ideas on how to best do that? Yes. Um, I don't do much decompressing. So <laughs> you'd have to talk to Andy about that. He's the, he's the master of that one. <laughs> but um, no, seriously, when I get back home, I get back into, first, I get back into my health habits. And I really believe this is the foundation. This is the place where you get your energy, where you take care of your body. You have traveled, you're probably sore, tired, jet lagged, all of that. And you cannot just jump back into work. I mean, you can check certain things, you know, urgent emails, et cetera, voicemails, what have you. But then to be more productive for me, it takes, and I usually have jet lag because, you know, we, we switch time zones. You have to give yourself a few days. So I kick my health habits into high gear. And you can have whatever health habits. If you're a runner, if you go on your, you know, low carb diet, you know, I do a lot of juicing and a lot of yoga. And so I kick those into high gear and I eat really, really well. And I start to heal from the uh, fatigue of travel so I can get back to work in a good mood, you know, because you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to still have to catch up on a lot because you're back home, you know, you were still away, you had reduced work hours. And so I think that's, you know, the best thing I can tell you. And how have those health habits, you know, try to always have some health habits. And if you can't stick to them on the road, which is really challenging, then definitely kick them into high gear. And then, you know, um, plan things, right? I mean, if you want to get into that, we can definitely have a conversation around, you know, how I plan my days short term. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. 
I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. Long term. Yeah, let's go there first, because I know that we could spend forever on health and your, yes. you know, your fitness habits as okay. well as the juicing. So let's hold off on that and let's talk about your planning. All right. So I always have at least two major projects I'm working on, you know, and, and I, and I, and I don't think you have to have two, you have to have, you know, whatever is going to push you outside your comfort zone, but not overwhelm you. Right. So it's, it's really a balanced game still. So, and this is very hard to do if you are a digital entrepreneur or, you know, in the world of, you know, that, that Eric and I live in, in this social media, you know, distractions and just, you know, you have to be available everywhere all the time. So you have to have those long-term visions for your business. And in the first place, you have to put those in place. Right. But uh, my big project. So right now I am writing another book that I had to set aside because, you know, this other book came along. And then I am working on another idea, which is in early stages. Those are my two main projects. So when, you know, every day I need to set aside time on those. But then there is all these other things that I have to keep moving forward. So I have a schedule for those. I did actually start using an editorial calendar only recently because um, I thought that it would stifle my creativity at the beginning and um, it doesn't. It actually really keeps you honest. Hopefully this is relevant, but this is, you know, in terms of a um, writing and content strategy, you know, I have a calendar. I know exactly what days, which of my newsletters go out and I have several, which of my blog posts and my podcasts. And then I know when I need to create that content to be ready. And for every little thing, I have a process now. And this has taken a long time to put together. So don't be impressed. You know, this was like a lot of, you know, things that didn't go right and things didn't work. And finally, we're like, you know what? That process thing, that's a good point. So I have a process for creating the podcast from start to finish, you know, post-processing, editing, getting it out there. And some of it I uh, devote to my husband um, or dedicate to uh, No, no, no. That's not the word. Delegate Delegate, to my husband. Thank you. He is dedicated. Yes, he's dedicated. So, so let me make sure I'm answering your question because I can also tell you some tools that we use for collaboration. Again, I have the editorial calendar that keeps me honest. You know, at the beginning of the day, I'll look to see, okay, this week I have to write a newsletter on this day, a podcast here and so on and so forth. And then I look at my meetings, right? So he does all the scheduling. This is, you know, how we broke it down. And because that's not something I want to do. So I look at all the schedules I have and then I try to fit in that project I mentioned to you in chunks of quiet time. So I make progress little by little over the course of the week. So I know people approach it very differently. You know, some people do all their interviews one day and all their coaching one day. And so I tend to like, and again, this is a point for you to to consider what do you like? Because if you're going to have your own business, you want to do things the way you like them, right? What is your personality like? Do you like to focus all day on writing and then the next day, all day on calls? 
I tend to like to do different things during the day. Like today I had yoga at 6 a.m. I was doing a lot of email work. I was behind on email. I did some practice and I'm, I'm doing some voice coaching. So I had to do some homework for that. I'm speaking to you. And then the rest of the day, even though it's Friday, I have to work on my book. And then, you know, I'm going to take a break and we're going to go out for dinner. So that's kind of like, I like the, the variety in my days, if you will. Yeah. And I'm going to add one last thing and then hand it over to you. One thing that Andy and I have found to be so useful because, um, you know, we have a lot of things. Yeah. I don't want to go into his office. We have separate offices and say, did you do this? Or, you know, can you, can you help me with something? I also don't want to email all the time. You can't lose, you lose track of email. So we are using this free tool called Asana. Have you heard of it? I have. That's a great tool. Yes. It's, it's just amazing how it keeps us so accountable. And so this is a collaboration project management tool. And I think, you know, you need to find what works for you and this thing, we can sync it onto our iPhone. So it's portable and we can, you know, do that without walking into each other's offices and having a conversation about it. So finding the tools and the systems to keep you honest with your processes. And this takes a little while to refine. Again, you know, these are the things that work for me. If you, you know, are just starting out, just observe a little bit, try different things. And also you go through different phases. You know, sometimes all I want to do is just read books and consume information. You know, after a big project ends, I give myself a little break before I move on. And I think that recharges me. So hopefully those were helpful. Yeah, definitely. Now, in the midst of working mm -hmm. on those projects and observing the different pieces, you know, the variety in your days, without going full on into fitness or health just yet, any ideas on how you master maybe your time or your energy or your focus while you're working on those different tasks and switching between them? Uh, switching is actually an interesting topic because there is that, that you know, uh, drop. So maybe I address that first. The switching, you have to be careful. Even though I like the switching, for example, after this conversation, because I put so much energy here for you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We can tell. Yeah. I'm going to be exhausted. All right. So I'm going to rest my vocal cords and go, you know, maybe sit in the sun and read a little bit and then I'm going to gear up. So I think that I don't like a rigid structure. Okay. I never respond too well to that. So I don't say two o'clock I'm doing this, three o'clock I'm doing this, four o'clock this. I've tried that. It didn't work. What I have found that works really well for me is when I say, okay, Today, I need to dedicate two hours at some point to my editing. I started using a, a technique called Pomodoro technique, mm -hmm. which is um, Italian for tomato. And basically, it is 25 minutes on, five-minute break, 25 minutes on, five-minute break. You do four of those, you take a 30-minute break, and um, that may be all you want to do. But basically, the, the purpose of that is too much focus exhausts you, but that 25 minutes, which there is a magic to it. And you have to stop at 25 minutes and take a five minute break and stop at five minutes and then go back. That's a technique I've been using. It works really well. And that's for focusing. I've used the Pomodoro technique. And, and the reason they do call it that is because there's these little cooking timers that are shaped like a tomato. Yes. And that's what, you know, you tw twist it to oh. the 25 minutes and then you let it sit there and I then it, it dings. So there's even some software that looks like a little tomato timer that oh, does that. Great. So it's really great. cool. But yeah, there's there's a rhythm to that. There, there, Like you said, there's a magic to it somehow where yeah. the intense focus for 25 minutes and then that permission to not fully disengage, but 
Uh, yes. Get up and move around. You know, get something to drink. Move your muscles. Do whatever. I know when I inter- interviewed Cliff at the time, he was doing f- thirty seconds or so of jumping jacks and then get sitting back down, <laughs> which was crazy. But I like that idea. It's awesome. And then he'd get right back to it and do another twenty-five minutes or so. Yeah. And yeah, it's somehow the intense focus with a, a with a brief you know break, but then back to it. It's like waves, honestly. And so yeah. you really are able to. And you'd get much more done doing it that way than hitting, you know, 25 minutes plus five is a half hour. For If you were to do four cycles of that, you'll get oh, yeah. much more done than you would sitting for that full two hours trying yes, to yes. just hammer something out. Exactly. I think the trick is to actually take the five minutes off. I tend to check email and mm-hmm. social media and they do actually recommend that you go out, you stretch, you take a walk. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And um, I need to actually try that. And it turns out, this was my first discovery when I first started using Pomodoro, that I actually take a lot longer breaks. I thought, oh, I probably take a two minute break. But it looks like, you know, five minutes is up so quickly mm-hmm. that I'm sure I was taking 15 minute breaks. There goes that one. (laughs) And I'll argue that most likely one of the reasons why this works is that your subconscious has not disengaged from the work. And so your brain is still working on the problem, so to speak, while your body or your mind or your spirit is recharging briefly. Yeah, that's very, very well put because you usually don't want to – stop at 25 minutes. I feel like I'm just, you know, ready to keep going. I'm really hitting a stride and then you have to stop. So your brain, you're right. You're right. It's still with the work, but you just recharge. No, it's really, really good. So I definitely recommend that for any type of work. I've been using it for writing and editing, but what have you done it for? Uh, well, I, you know, definitely writing, definitely organizing. And sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes honestly, we'll even do this with our, with our daughter at home for chores. So, oh, okay, we're going to do this and then we're going to take a break. And then when the dings again, we got to go back and do more work and Love let's it. just see how fast we can get it done. Some of the time though, and this has actually worked with other people I've talked to with uh, with actual work, not just chores at home, is they'll set it for 10 minutes. And when they get to the 10 minutes, they have the option to hit it for another 10 minutes or to go take the break because <laughs> if they're on a roll and they don't want to lose where they're, mm. where they're at, they'll just <laughs> plow through and skip that break but then reward themselves with a longer one the next cycle through or something. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You just have to keep trying. I mean, you don't know what's going to really, really work well for you. Pomodoro has been very successful, but you may discover something along the way by using that and something that's going to even lend itself better to your type of work. So, okay. One of the things, obviously, we've, we've touched on it a few times. It's something you're very much, very much a part of prolific living is fitness. But your view on fitness isn't just being in the best shape or feeling the best. It's honestly creating and maintaining your energy to be able to do things. I mean, it also is feeling good and it also is, you know, right. being able to do the best you can. But you're coming at it from all those different angles, right? I like the way you put it because I think that what happens is you basically block your energy from flowing. So people say, oh, I don't have a lot of energy. Well, you do. It's just blocked. And if you can find a way to tap into it, it's like releasing it. So you don't have to go 
gain energy or, you know, do something extraordinary. You just have to really go internal and find a way. And I can give you some things that have worked for me and for people I work with, or there's many, many different things to, to, to uh, look into. But the idea is that, yes, it's all about energy. If you have energy, you can do everything you want to do during the day, right? I mean, it's going to take you some time, you know, depending on the project, but energy is really, I think the, the scale that I, that I measure things by. And I really do believe you have energy that's tapped inside you. Now, sometimes it's blocked by extra weight. Yes. I mean, that's true. And so that means that the weight is actually blocking your energy. And maybe, maybe if you think about it that way, you would be more inclined to actually shed the extra weight, you know, because think of the things that it is taking away from you. But um, the uh, programs that I created, especially the 10 minute invigorator, it's really based on ways that with breathing and body movements, you actually open and release that energy, which is why it doesn't take very long to do, but it's a very specific type of thing that you need to do in order to release that. But another thing that I do is I'm juicing and juicing, it releases that energy. And okay, in a way I say that it gives you energy, but um, it helps your body. And the way juicing works is it helps your digestive system to become more efficient. And so your body gets rid of waste more efficiently, which gives you more energy. So you already have all of that inside. You're just enabling yourself to have more energy. And when you have more energy, you feel better and you want to do things and you're just in a better mental and, you know, well-being state. So, so that's absolutely how I approach it. And then I like to tell people, you know, just find something that really works for you, but something that does at the end, doesn't, you know, render you exhausted like uh, my plyometrics class did. I don't know what I was thinking, but if you've ever tried plyometrics, it is really hard. And my yoga practice is very, very hard, but it's a different kind of hard. So you have to just look at your fitness program and see whether you come away exhausted, which is not the point, but energized. Now, this wasn't always the case. Were you doing some of these things when you were in your, your corporate position or was this something that you discovered you had a need for after you left that? So I was always pretty fit, you know, always, ever since, you know, like before college, you know, aerobics when I was like 15 years old. I mean, I was always pretty fit and really, really conscious of my body and, you know, my body shape and all that. So, but I wasn't always very healthy and I was really really, really strict and rigid about the way I approached fitness, which led to injuries. And the injuries then led me down other paths and, you know, a lot of, you know, chiropractic work, what have you, what have you, just really a lot of frustrations. So I actually did a lot of different things as I was going through the last years of my corporate career. So I moved away from, you know, the usual gym kind of, you know, workouts. I even hired a trainer, but I can't tell you how much I hate weight training. You know, I really, really don't like it. So now I do yoga, which, you know, just builds your body using your own weight. But um, I tried everything. I tapped into Kundalini yoga, which is a different kind of yoga I used to do. And that is all about energy work. And I was very skeptical when I went into this, Eric, okay, you know, engineering mindset going into this, you know, I don't think so. But it really works. 
And so I, you know, I go by how I feel. It was working, you know, 10 minutes of this gives you amazing energy. And then I tried so many different things, you know, tried different types of yoga, different types of healing for my body, even mental, even, you know, affirmations and positive thinking and all of it goes down to where, you know, you have that positive source of energy deep inside you, but you block it. So I started thinking about it in terms of removing these blocks. I had, you know, you know, maybe a thin layer of fat because I'd gained some weight. Okay. But then there is also mental layers and, you know, old beliefs and all of that. So I look at it very holistically now. But um, I did start tapping into all of this, you know, when I was looking for distractions, um, when I was in corporate. Remember, I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> nice. So, Did it start with one or the other, with the physical activity or with the… With the physical. Okay. With the physical. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything beyond that at all because, you know, I wasn't looking for that. I didn't see the relationship. I didn't think about it. You know, I, I used to meditate a little bit, but it wasn't anything I really believed in. And so it was all about, you know, fitness, you know, staying fit, you know, uh, good abs, you know, good thighs, all of that. I mean, it was all external and um, it was serving its purpose as far as that was concerned. But um, when I stumbled into juicing actually, and then I quit caffeine, coffee, not caffeine altogether and switched over to, uh, I drink a, a type of tea called oolong tea, which I really believe has changed my health for the better as well. And then I started to just feel better in a different way altogether. So I thought I knew what it feels like to feel good, but then I started doing these things and it was like, you know, that's interesting. Let me explore. Let me keep going. And the same with discovering, you know, deeper meditation, affirmations, different way of thinking. And uh, I just look for results, you know, and it seemed to work. Now, mm-hmm. you, you have written a book. Well, you written, you've written actually two books about juicing. Yeah, exactly. And you mm-hmm. didn't really intend to do the second one. Is that right? Yes, I didn't intend to. Do, I was actually busy writing this other book back in November. So I'll tell you the story really quickly. The, because this actually, you know, I hope to g- give a message uh, to your listeners. I self-published my first juicing book and I've written several other books too. But my first juicing book did really well. So we published this when I was in Australia in December of 2012. 2012? No, 2011. I'm sorry. And we came home, put it on the Kindle store, didn't do anything for the first couple of, the first month and a half. Then it started selling. And this was fascinating to me because I, you know, I was just like selling, you know, I wasn't doing anything. And so it had a really, really good year. And November, the publishers that I worked with, a traditional publisher with a very good distribution system, they came to us and they asked us if they could take that book off Amazon, buy the rights and then reprint it as a physical print and uh, sell that. And I wasn't interested in that. You know, my sales had dipped a little bit, but I was still not interested. So I declined their offer and they were really interested in having a juicing book. So my point, my first point is put your work out there even if you have to self-publish it, you know, self-publishing led me to this publisher and whatever your thoughts on publishing, you know, traditional versus self, I think putting your work and your message out there, just like, you know, even in a podcast form, like Eric and I are doing, it's just so important to get it out there and not wait. But it did lead to the opportunity of these guys coming to me, didn't want them to take off that first book or touch the rest of my juicing business. 
So we kept talking because they were very persuasive and they just wanted a juicing book. This is an area of health that they were exploring. And then the fact that they were really interested in working with me was because the first book had so many good reviews and it had established me as an authority in the field. So we kept talking and we came to the agreement that I will write a brand new book, expanded topic. The first one was just green juicing. This is juicing, building it as a habit. habit. It's bigger. And um, it was going to be a hardcover book. They were going to leave alone the rest of the juicing business, all that. But I was going to create new content. And I am not big into repackaging old content, especially from book to book. Because if somebody bought my first book, I wanted to give them new stuff in the second book. And, you know, they just had a very aggressive deadline for us. So I actually just blogged about this. You know, I had to turn in the manuscript in five weeks, when I was still traveling and I had speaking engagements. And uh, it turned out okay, we survived. You know, my husband helped a lot. And so um, so that's it. I mean, it's been a great, great opportunity working with them. I loved my experience. And um, none of those horror stories about publishers, you know, were the case for me. So another point I'd like to make to your listeners is that, you know, don't go with assumptions. That may not be the case for you. You know, just explore every opportunity that comes to you and make the right decision for yourself. And uh, another one, definitely hire a publishing lawyer, even though they're very expensive. You need one to have them review your contract. Interesting. So the, the first book was your comprehensive green juicing guide. And then the next one, the new one, which, what, it's been out maybe a week? March 7th. Yes, yeah. exactly a week. Yes. The Healthy Juicer's Bible. And that the subtitle on that is Lose Weight, Detoxify, Fight Disease, and Live Long, which, you know what? I think I want to do all four of those things. Okay, Eric, you go get that book and I'll help you on that journey. All right. <laughs> well, that's actually, uh, you know, talking as somebody who, okay, you know, here's somebody mention juicing and they think, and we're talking vegetables and, and things like that. We're not talking steroids. Some people say juicing and you think you're <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> illegal right. steroid Thank use. You. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about here. No, we're talking about, you know, actually eating or, you know, making juice that is healthy for you and has positive impact on your body. For for somebody who just doesn't know if this is right for them, I am mm-hmm. sure that as you go around and you talk to people and and mm-hmm. they they say, "Oh, what's your book about?" and you you tell them, they say, "Really? Well, how, what would you do with that? How would you start that? I don't know anything about that." H- how enough. do you shoehorn them into getting interested or even starting it and and not feeling too much pressure? From right. It. Actually, I don't want to give them any pressure. You know, I mean, the reason I wrote this book is because I want to just share the message that this thing is a healing miracle. And, you know, again, I come from a very technical background. I'm a very logical, you know, person. So to say this, you know, I have lived it, I've proved it to myself. And then I've been running a juicing clinic, a virtual juicing clinic. So we have, you know, 80 people right now. And the stories I hear are incredible. And I've studied this, you know, for five and a half years. And I just find it like a miracle. So the way I explain to them juicing, and it's very different from making smoothies or blending. The way I explain it to them is that this is something that the way it works, you basically start this habit just like you would any other habit. But the magic with juicing is that it gently pushes out your bad habits, like your cravings or your, you know, um, maybe you binge or whatever it is that you do in terms of health, because the two 
the bad habits and juicing just can't seem to coexist in the same body. And to me, that's a lot better approach to health than if you say, I'm never going to eat that again. I am banning it. I'm forbidding myself from eating that, you know, because you end up, if you've done any kind of diet, you end up actually doing exactly the opposite because your mind just cannot deal with being deprived of something. So juicing to me is this gateway to all these other health habits. And so that's the way I look at it. And I think that's a huge investment. And that's just such a great way to actually approach your health. And again, I don't think it's for everyone. You know, I mean, it's worked really, really well for me. I am in love with juicing. I'm not gonna be shy about that. You know, I still get excited when I go in the kitchen. It's never the same thing. It's delicious and it's a lot of fun. And it's the fastest and most delicious way to get all the nutrients that you need in your body from all these fruits and vegetables and herbs that you otherwise wouldn't. And the thing with juicing is it's a great way to detox and cleanse because you can do a fast on juices, whereas you can't do a fast on smoothies because smoothies are food, you know? You need your digestive system to break them down and to digest them, whereas the juicing, you just, you know, your blood cells absorb that very quickly. So there is that huge benefit to that as well. But there's so many others. But if nobody, if the person hasn't tried it, they do need a juicer. And, you know, I am not one to say, you know, go out and buy a juicer today. But I do think that it's good to try it at first to see whether that's right for you. Juice bars are unfortunately not as common. You know, I'm hoping that's going to change one day. But a lot of whole foods do have a juice bar. So you can have them make you a green juice and taste it. I'm sure you've had fruit juices. And I talk about fruit juices as well. And I talk about different types of fruit juices and the ways you can mix them. And then, you know, all these other things you can add like ginger and garlic and raw turmeric and all that. But uh, try it. Try and see whether you like the taste and try everything in your life at least twice because that's that's my rule. Because the first time, you know, who knows? Not everything may be in the right place, right? So try it twice for good measure. But that's what I would say. And, um, you know, if, if that's something that you're interested in and you are interested in drastically changing your health, then, uh, you know, juicing, I think, is just an amazing way to do that. And it's natural and just, uh, you know, the best the best thing you can do for your body. So people don't see a correlation between productivity or, or what they can get done or how they feel until mm-hmm. they really experience feeling better than they do right now. You're right. You're right. The firsthand experience is, yeah, there's nothing like it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think uh, as far as, you know, other benefits, I mean, it definitely, you know, helps you tap into that energy like we talked about and it makes you feel better about yourself and it curbs your cravings and uh, it's just wonderful, wonderful. I think now I'm in the mood to go make a juice. (laughs) I could, I could go for some too. I think I might have to go maybe get some tea or something. There you go. Well, we're very much near the end of our time here, and mm-hmm. I know that we could keep going on forever, but what's great is is you've got a, a website, prolificliving.com, where people can not only read your blog posts, which are packed with awesome stuff, just like everything you shared here, but also you have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast? The name of the podcast is The Daily Interaction Podcast, and it's on iTunes. And thank you so much for mentioning that because um, I put a lot of work into the podcast and uh, love to um, love to get some get some feedback on that. The podcast is actually where I talk to you in terms of, you know, how to help you communicate better. 
And I believe if you can communicate really well, you can get the things that you want in life. So we just tap into that from all kinds of different creative angles. And uh, that's also on my website. And uh, love to connect with your listeners, Eric, and, uh, you know, get to know them. So fun, fun talking to you today. Well, thank you, Farnoosh. And again, I encourage everyone to go check out prolificliving.com. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to speak to you today. You too. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot as you listened to these conversations. If this is your first episode, feel free to subscribe to the rest. There's a bunch of other great interviews out there for you. And if you're someone who, like many others, have let me know that you're getting a lot of great education and motivation out of this show, please feel free to go to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes and leave us a rating or review to let us know how this show is affecting your life in a positive way. We really appreciate everybody who's already let us know, and we'd love for everyone else that's getting a positive benefit from the show to join the rest that have already let us know. Again, that's beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.